Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On today's game day show, we'll be joined by beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press to recap the Florida game and look ahead to this weekend's home opener against Luke Fickle and his Cincinnati Bearcats. On Thursday's Visitor's Edition, we'll hear from Bearcat beat writer Tom Gresham of the Cincinnati Inquirer. So let's get things rolling today with my view from Section 17. I have to say I was a little bit antsy after the two pick sixes in the first half, but the way the defense was playing, I felt like we would make adjustments and get back into it in the second half. That is indeed what happened. Jim Harbaugh said on Monday that was the best defensive performance he's seen since becoming head coach, and you can't argue with that. Jim also said he's not worried about Wilton Spade or his confidence, which you would expect him to say. Jim said he will be the starter this week, and he has things to work on, but he shook off his mistakes and played better in the second half. Jim said he liked how Wilton just kept shooting for the flag, as he put it. All in all, I was really happy with Saturday's performance. I didn't know what to expect before the game like so many of you, but my takeaways were, maybe Don Brown was right all along. The defense might not miss a beat. We'll see. The offensive line has some issues, which I expect, but cleared the way for over 200 yards on the ground against a good defense. Quinn Nordine's leg, as good as advertised and the big stage did not seem to rattle him at all. Liked what I saw from our three running backs, but in particular, what I saw from Ty Isaac. He had 11 carries, and he ran with purpose and confidence on each carry. Tariq Black looks like the real deal and a special kind of receiver, and Donovan Peoples-Jones looks like a punt returner who does not want to raise that right hand. He is going to bring it back. As I mentioned to Nick in our interview, He sort of reminded me of Stevie Breston back there, and I know he has a long way to go to reach that level, but he had guys just bearing down on him, and it didn't seem to phase him. He's going to run it back, and I like that. At the end of the day, it was a good win. We have things to work on, but when you beat an SEC team like Florida in the opener, it is a good day on so many levels. And I feel better about this team, better than I did a week ago. Nick Baumgartner told me he's not sure if Florida has a bad offense or not. He said it doesn't matter, though, because Michigan's defense didn't give them a chance to find out, which is so true. He joins me next here on our game day segment on the Michigan Man, 
on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. This is on our Michigan Game Day segment this week to recap the opener against Florida. And yes, take a look ahead to, to Cincinnati in the home opener is beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press. Welcome back, Nick. Good to be here, Mike. Hey, new intro, right? New intro. A little I, different. So, as I mentioned to you before we started, <laughs> hey, I got, I've got to get used to the uh, new address, but I'm sure uh, all of our Michigan listeners and fans already know where you are. Yeah, sounds good. I appreciate it. Good to be here, Mike. Thanks for having me. Well, Nick, let's start talking about Wilton Spate. I'm going to cut him some slack. Uh, I've watched the game over and over a few times. Mm-hmm. New receivers, I think that is a quality defense. Time will tell. Of course, he had the accuracy issues. His performance was Saturday. I hope a blip on the radar screen. It's just one game. Are some of us overreacting a bit, do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's a tough one for me. I, I think probably some some a little bit and, and some to your point where, you know, it is just one game. And, um, you know, Florida did have some athleticism up front uh, and was able to maybe cause some problems. Uh, but um, at the same time, you know he's he's a second year guy now and he's a, he's a second year starter and uh you know he's earned plenty of that criticism from that game because you know the first interception uh, that was brought back obviously you know that's one where it's on him and Kakoa Crawford you know that ball was a little high but you know Kakoa can probably should should have probably brought that in uh caught the football and not maybe volleyball it up in the air right into another guy's arms uh so that's that's on both guys the second one was just terrible i mean that was a terrible throw uh, he didn't have anyone in his face. Uh, he sit, you know, he had a receiver that was open and he sailed the ball right into the arms of, of a defensive back. I mean, that's just, that, that's as bad as anything he made last year. I mean, maybe worse. Um, I can't remember a time last year where he threw one, uh, right into somebody, you know, that was just, maybe that was an anomaly. Like Jim Harbaugh said after the game, you know, that just didn't, didn't seem like him. Um, so that was bad. And then the, and then the misses down on the field were, those to me were almost, more concerning, you know, leaving points on the field by, you know, missing an open receiver headed to the end zone, missing guys in the back of the end zone, missing guys deep. You know, he did hit a few, but, you know, some of these, some of these downfield accuracy, accuracy things were, were problems in spring. There were problems last year. And frankly, I, I, I wonder also if, if you're Michigan, if you don't, you know, tell yourself in your play calling, like, look, let's, let's pull back some of that. And maybe, you know, when he's, when he's thrown underneath and he's thrown intermediately to some of these, athletic athletic youngsters let's let him do that and then maybe work himself up to something different but i don't know i mean he's got to fix a lot of stuff um that was not a great debut for him uh and um you know he's like i said before mike i mean i I understand your point completely but at the same time this is his second year now and uh you know things have changed and he's got to get better not the kakoa crawford interception but the other one i think he was Mm -hmm. trying to get it to a grant perry that was one of those where you watch it and say 
where was he throwing that? I mean, how could he think? Yeah, this doesn't to, make any sense. No, it doesn't. So I'm going to give him, I'm going to cut him some slack on that one. When Jim sat Wilton down uh, in the first half and then John O'Corn came in, Todd Blackledge was uh, mentioning on the uh, telecast that, oh, don't worry, this was planned. The Drevno told him that they were going to mm-hmm. uh, to get o- O'Corn some snaps. Was, was that true? Had that been mentioned uh, by the staff before the game? Well, I'd heard the same thing. It hadn't been mentioned publicly by them, but they had, you know, I'd heard the same uh, thing that they wanted to get John O'Corn in the game, uh, whether they thought he'd earned the snaps or. They wanted to see how he reacted or whatever they wanted. There was a, you know, there was a plan before the game in place that they wanted to get John O'Corn in the football game and they wanted to get him in the game before, you know, garbage time or whatever to see, you know, to see what they had with him uh, with a special package or something. However, now the, 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 I don't think the plan was to get him in the game after two disaster interceptions and, and everything looked like it was kind of rattling off the tracks there. Mm-hmm. So part of me wonders if it was still a little bit of that, yeah, let's get him in there. But I think a lot of it at the same time was also twofold of, like Harbaugh said for the game, you know, they had to call him Wilton down. Uh, they had to find some way to, to get him out of there and, and let him kind of reset and refresh. And then at the same time, I think a lot of that too was, all right, you know, John O'Corn, you're up. Let's see what you got. You know, if you, if you know, and I thought that was a missed opportunity by John because if he goes in the game there, I mean, he makes one beautiful throw to Tariq Black uh, down the sideline, and, and I wondered, hey, I said, hey, if John O'Corn puts a couple puts a couple drives together, maybe they don't take him out. Maybe maybe he forces them to leave him in the game, right? So, uh, but you know, then he runs into a sack and, and has some problems with the pocket, and, and then the offense just doesn't go anywhere, and, and Wilton has to come back in. So that was interesting because yeah, I'd heard the same situation of they wanted to get him reps. But then I don't think they anticipated putting him in in that type of situation where, where the sky was falling uh, on offense. And then, you know, he does go in the game and it's a huge opportunity for him and he's not quite able to sort of seize it. And, and now you're right back where you started and you had to go back with Wilton. Uh, and it looked like at that point that, you know, it was almost ride or die with Wilton because it looked like he's your guy no matter what. And he's got to figure it out. So I don't know. This is going to be really interesting going forward. I mean, because it seemed, it really did seem like, O'Corn was a lot closer to Wilton this year at the end of camp than he was last year, uh, enough to where they wanted to get him in a football game. And then obviously they did, um, you know, we'll see what they do against Cincinnati. I mean, I don't know I, that that should be more of a blowout type situation, but we'll see if they play more than one guy or, or, or what happens, but uh, it'll be interesting going forward. Well, the offensive line was a focal point for me on Saturday. I think it was for a lot of Michigan fans and against a very good front. At least we think it's a good front. I thought they, mm-hmm. at the very least, held up pretty darned well. How about you? Yeah, yeah, very, very, uh, very encouraging. I thought, um, you know, I think I, I wrote after the game at some point, um, just enough. You know, they got just enough, and I thought that was that was kind of something that you know, last year we never really saw a performance like that. And when I say that, I mean, last year it was either it was either they were blowing up, they were blowing somebody, some lesser opponent off the ball, or they were just getting shook by somebody who was athletic and good. This was. This was Michigan going against an athletic front who was aggressive uh, and, and and fast off the football. You know, I don't know if I don't know how good we'll see how good they are and down the road how they hold up. But that was an athletic front uh, who could cause problems for you, and and they were athletic enough up front. Michigan was to withstand that and stay on some blocks. You know, just edge people enough to create a lane, um, use guys' momentum against. I mean, it, it was really good play calling. I thought really good scheme in the run game to help them out. Uh, some of the stuff they did with the delayed draws and some of the zones they ran with 
with Evans and, and Isaac, who did a fantastic job and kind of helped them out. But overall, you know, a couple issues with the pass protection early from Nolan Luizio and a couple spots later in the game that were a bit were a bit of a hiccup. But man, I thought I thought for the for the first time out with three new starters against a really good unit, um, that was really good. I bet I'm going to bet you that Tim Drevno and Greg Fry slept pretty well on Saturday night because that was. Uh, that you know, a lot to work on still, but man, that was that was not bad. I mean, because we know, Mike, we've seen how we've seen what it looks like the other way, and you know, we remember two years ago when they played at Utah, and they could not do anything. I mean, it was just they were just getting sh- just just blown off the football. Guys were falling off blocks. Guys were laying on the ground. Guys were tripping and falling. Nothing was working. That looked like a group that was on its way a little bit, and uh, I don't think that's an overreaction to say. I mean, there's a lot of work left there, but I, I was impressed. With with the way they handled themselves, I don't. They weren't dominant. They didn't control the line of scrimmage completely and totally. But they did. They did their job, and they did enough. And they, and they were they were savvy and athletic. And um, that was that was good to see for those guys because I think that was probably a real confidence builder for them. No, that's right. I think for the first time in a long time, we saw more positives than negatives uh, mm-hmm. from the offensive yep. line. Yes, moving forward, you have to clean some things up. First game against a good SEC opponent or defense, I liked it. And we saw three backs get carries, uh, Ty Isaac, Chris Evans, Karan Higdon, 49 running plays for 215 yards. And of the three backs we saw, Nick, I really liked what we got from Ty Isaac. I mean, he ran with purpose on each of his carries, which is, you know, something we've not always seen him do in the past two years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, running through arm tackles, not getting not getting tripped at, you know, at first contact. His head was up, you know, really good and really decisive in his cuts. And and then he's just running to daylight, and I think that that's the stuff that's the stuff they thought they were going to get from him when he came here as a transfer, and it just never really clicked in. And and this looked like you know the ties that they've been waiting on. You know, we'll see if he can carry it over. Of course, um, you know, all three of them were good. Higdon was good, and and less carries, and and Evans had some nice ones too. But Isaac was was probably the best of the day, and um, that doesn't mean that you know one of the other guys can't be it next week or whatever. That's just the nature of that rotation. But you know, really good. Really good showing from Isaac. Uh, to able to take advantage of some of those, you know, those delayed draws in late in late situations. But you know, again, those are good calls, and you're catching Florida in a spot. But you know, he's making plays with his feet and his eyes to turn five yards into twelve or more, uh, more than once. So, you know, that that helped the offensive line a lot too. And I thought that was mm-hmm. that was really good from the backs because there were several plays where you know you'd see a play that that maybe looked like it would have been you know, no no cuts to Davion Smith, but you know, a play that would have been one or two yards last year uh, with Davion that was turned into six or more. I mean, because those guys are making sharp cuts using their eyes and they're getting, you know, they're either bouncing something or they're they're cutting back up the field and getting into the right spot. They're finding gaps. There's not. I did not see any wide open gaping holes just left uh, on the field that somebody didn't run through. That didn't happen very often. So, so the backs helped out the line quite a bit. Uh, Isaac was great. Evans had some good stuff, and, and Higdon was was pretty good on that on that first drive of the third quarter. So uh, I think you're going to see more of that. Um, all three of those guys are going to get a lot of reps. It was a it was a close football game, so I'm sure they wanted to probably get Cream Walker in there, just weren't able to do it. But uh, I'm sure he'll get some time uh, down the road as well. And and you know to to answer all those questions, I mean yeah, that's that's just how it's going to go here. That's a committee, so. Um, it'll be multiple guys, and, and I'm sure that'll be the case going forward. Since spring, you said Tariq Black is a kid that you really like, and he mm-hmm. looks ready to go, and he looked like it on Saturday. Grant Perry was solid, other than his silly spinner penalty. 
Uh, Kakoa yeah. Crawford was running free and open a lot of uh, times, I thought. McKeon had some nice grabs. A lot of weapons in that receiving core, Nick. Yeah, and, and some guys that didn't, some guys that are still growing, it seems, that, that weren't quite all the way there yet. But, you know, Tariq Black, you know, like I said, I mean, yeah, n- not to toot my own horn here, Mike, but in spring, I'm telling you guys, I mean, he was, he might have been the best offensive player they had in practice when I watched him play. I mean, he was that good. I mean, I was blown away by by how good this kid was as a freshman in terms of, you know, not just raw athleticism. You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones is probably a better athlete, but Tariq Black came here as a rare, you know, rare receiver, freshman, whatever, that, that knew how to run routes, knew how to block, uh, knew how to get open, knew how to read defenses, all those things um, that, that usually you don't get until you're a veteran. And, you know, things that took everyone time to, to grasp onto that, that comes into college football for the most part. And, um, you know, he gets to start and you see right away, you know, he's, he's running. I mean, you saw, in the, he, it was a blown coverage by Florida on his, on his post route, but he takes advantage of it, makes, you know, scores a touchdown, a uh, great route down the sideline and a great ball by John O'Corn. And he, and he brings it in. If you put it in his direction, uh, he did drop one, which was weird because I didn't see him drop any in spring, but he did drop one. But generally, if you put the ball, uh, in a catchable position for him, he's bringing it in, and his routes are good enough to get himself open. Um, and you know, he looked like their best guy. I mean, you know, Kakoa Crawford was was open a lot too, as you said. But uh, you know, there was a couple he probably could have hauled in that he didn't. And uh, so we'll see how it, we'll see how it goes going forward. But you know, you, again, you didn't see a lot from Donovan Peoples Jones. Uh, I think he's still he's still probably growing as a route runner and everything else. Obviously, a great athlete, but you'll probably see more of him as time goes on. Oliver Martin, the same thing. Uh, and then, you know, yeah, Grant Perry was, was the veteran presence that they thought he would be uh, and very important. So uh, a lot of weapons, a lot of different targets. I didn't even mention Nick Eubanks or Sean McCune. Mm-hmm. Uh, McCune was great uh, in the, in the, in the ground game. He, he was a, you know, he, he had some Jake Butt moments in terms of advanced Jake Butt, I should say senior Jake Butt uh, moments yeah. in the run game where he had, he threw some really nice blocks uh, and then and then got open underneath and made some nice catches there too. And then Eubanks looks like uh, he could be a really really freaky weapon for you. You know, forty five yarder down the field. I think he had another chunk play underneath. Um, they could do a lot of stuff with him. A lot of different guys um, and you know a lot of a lot of options. So you, that's why if you're a quarterback, man, you got to settle down because there are guys that can really do things for you if you get them the football. And I think if you're play calling too. Mike, the the situation I would I would look more into would be get more of those guys out there, spread them out, just get them the ball, make sure it's a short whatever, get them the ball and let them run. I mean that would be something I would I would spend some time on because it's just free yards against some team. Maybe maybe not Florida because that they were very athletic, but maybe against some other, some of these other teams, you're going to have free yards if you just if you just throw the ball in space, space the thing out, throw it throw it short to somebody and let them go. I mean that's just that's free stuff. So. Uh, I'd be surprised if we didn't see more of that going forward, and uh, I, I would almost expect it. Well, I did like what we saw from Eubanks and uh, McCune. I don't know if I missed it last week. Tyrone Wheatley, was there something wrong, or is he number three in the pecking order right now? He started the game, um, and he was out there quite a bit, actually, uh, early on. Ian, Ian Bunting was the one I maybe had the question on. But as time went on, yeah, it looked like they went more with McCune mm-hmm. um, uh, in critical spots, especially to start the third quarter. Um, and that was a critical drive. That was the biggest drive of the game. And McCune was out there uh, leading the way. So I think that might have been a feel thing that uh, maybe they thought, because McCune did have a nice first half. Um, I think maybe they thought that, hey, he's, you know, he's in there doing some things. Um, let's let him do it. And then, and then you, they went with Eubanks. I mean, so yeah, Wheatley and Bunting, Bunting especially. I mean, that, that I didn't see him uh, very much at all um, 
in either in the passing game or on the ground. You know, Wheatley was in there quite a bit in the first half, and then they went a lot with McCune and Eubanks in the second. And you know, Bunting, Bunting seemed like he was four, and Wheatley maybe fell to three. I don't know, but uh, that's that's going to be a rotating thing too, probably. All right, the, it's four guys in a group. Three of them are going to get a chance to play, maybe four, but uh, probably just depends on how they practice that week, and and they're going to see they're going to see how it goes. And that's you know, new coach Greg Fry coaching those guys up so maybe that's a feel thing on his part but uh seemed to work out you know as McCune was pretty good Eubanks had some nice plays and you know they have options and, and we'll see how it goes the competition there's probably intense and I'm sure that'll continue well my takeaway on the offense was uh, could have been better you know you take away uh, the pick sixes uh, playing against again what we thought is pretty darn good defense we saw negatives but there were a lot of positives uh, to take away for the offense uh, as far as their play Saturday yeah I mean anytime 215 on the ground against an SEC, SEC, you know, a two-time SEC East champion, whatever you want to call Florida. Um, 215 on the ground, four and a half a carry, whatever it was. That's you're going to take that. I mean, that's that's absolutely something because you because you know what it's like on the other way, on the other side when you don't get that and you're struggling and it's a mess and everything else and you're wasting great defensive performances. That was not a great defensive performance wasted. That was that was a young offense that was trying to find its stride. But at the same, you know, but also at the same time, they did more than enough to make sure they didn't waste one of those all-time, you know, ridiculously good defensive performances that we've seen happen here in the past. Uh, and I thought it was good adjustments by the coaches coming out of halftime. Their best drive of the game was the opener in the third quarter, uh, where they sell everything down and they just went to business and scored a touchdown. Um, and, and you know, good calls throughout the game. You know, a nice job of helping out a young line, and then those guys stepped up and made plays, and the backs and the backs kind of carried the day for you. So. Um, it's going to take a couple of weeks, I think, for everything to hit its stride for these guys. I think that was expected, um, and that probably includes the quarterback too. But you know, at some point, it's going to have to happen. Uh, we'll see where they are, maybe against Purdue or or uh, Michigan State here in a couple of weeks. But um, you know, it's going to be a process and, and something that uh, that they build with. But I do think the you know the coaching staff looks pretty solid right now, and I think that they're in, they're in pretty good hands. With us here on our Michigan Game Day segment this week, as we uh, take a look back at Florida, and in a few minutes we'll look ahead to uh, the Cincinnati visit this Saturday for the home opener. Is beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press. Now moving over to the D, Nick. Uh, as nervous as the offense was making me early in that game, I think by midway through the second quarter, my thought was Florida is just spinning their wheels against this defense, and I don't care if they are a bad offense. That defense was fast, and they were fantastic. Yeah, Michigan never gave Florida a chance to prove if it was bad or bad or good. I mean, it was just—I mean, they just completely swallowed them in every way, and it was—it was multiple. It was layered. It was—it was a fantastic scheme and game plan from Don Brown, who just completely outcoached McElwain and, and Doug Nussmeyer at every turn, uh, and and had things had things that you know that were maybe a little unexpected, as he often does a surprise wrinkle here or there that really always works. And then more than that, it was the effort and the speed um, across the board. I mean, that defense looked faster than last year's group somehow. I don't know how that's possible, but it did. And, I mean, I looked at it over and over again and just thought, you know, yeah, that's – Devin Bush is an upgrade in terms of speed in the middle. Uh, Kalik Hudson appears just as fast on the outside in terms of straight line stuff as – uh, as Peppers was, maybe not as agile or whatever, explosive in terms of returning a punt, but in terms of playing linebacker, more than fine. Josh Metellus and Tyreek, uh, Josh Metellus especially, that's an upgrade. Uh, in the secondary, your corners are not as good at not as good at covering, of course, but they are just as fast. Uh, and then even the guys you bring off the bench, the defensive line. I mean, geez, Lou, that's you know when Mo Hurst is is 
is releasing from a block in the middle of the field and then outruns your entire team and chases down a wide receiver to stop a receiver screen for a yard. Uh, that's, that says it all. I mean, all four of those guys or all three of those guys really, cause they went a lot with, with a three, three, you know, five with Noah Furbush in there instead of Monet to get more speed on the field. But Winovich, Hurst and Gary were, were everywhere. I mean, they were, they were, and it was all speed. It was all, you know, get off, off the football. They closed on, they closed on bulk in the backfield. Uh, that was a swarm and that was relentless. And that was, that looked like eight months of a group that had sat there and listened to people tell, talk about how they were replacing all these starters and they weren't going to be able to hack it. And they just went out and, and, and blew the top off the whole thing and said, you know, we're pretty good too. And uh, that was, that was a heck of a show. I'll say that from really across the board and, and something that they're now going to have to follow up because now there's an expectation, but uh, really, really fast and athletic and you could just kind of see that they cut them loose and let them go do their thing. I was hoping the young corners were going to uh, to get tested by Florida, but that just didn't happen. Secondary is uh, going to have some big tests coming up. We I think we all know that. But I thought overall, mm-hmm. Nick, I mean, there were some some receivers that ran open, but overall, not bad. Yeah, there was adjustments you saw. You know, you saw them rebound. I think, you know, LaVert Hill on the first series of the game, he gets beat uh, over the top on what well, looked like pretty good coverage. I mean, he maybe could have got his head around a little bit quicker that was a really good ball. I mean, that was a great throw, probably his best throw of the day, and and a great catch down the sideline. So that's one of those where you're just like, okay, you just got beat. I mean, that's move on, you know. And then the second one was bad. I mean, he got he got lost. He got lost on the field, turned the wrong way, didn't know where the ball was, and got beat. But you know, you saw at the opening start of the second half there. He uh, he comes out, almost picks off a pass, uh, had really good coverage right down the field. Brennan uh, Watson. Uh, has good coverage on the field and gets his hand up and breaks one up. I think we didn't see a lot of David Long. He got dinged up, but I didn't see him do anything egregious. Uh, and Tyree Cannell was really good all over the place, So uh, as was Metellus. So I think that you, you saw them adapt and adjust, and, and they did make some plays. It wasn't uh, you know it wasn't them running around lost, uh, but it kind of speaks to the thing that Mike Zorgich talked about, where you know certainly they're talented enough to do this, um, it's just about consistency. And, you know, with Mike Zorich, consistency, fair or not, is every snap. So, you know, you can't get beat at all. And that's his, that's his expectation. But, you know, they were able to sort of adjust and, and make some plays. It was just, you know, you're going to see some of that. You're going to see some leaks and you're going to see, uh, some, some chunk plays that we haven't seen in the past, but, uh, you know, not too bad overall. Some some good tackling as well, so not too bad from them. Special teams play included the good and the bad. We had the punt block. Donovan Peoples-Jones did, I thought, a nice job of turning punts. Even reminded me a little bit of, uh, this might be a reach, but Stevie Breston back there uh, catching punts because there were yeah, times fair. when I thought, man, you're not going to put your right hand up, are you, buddy? You are going to bring it back, which uh, is exactly yeah. what Steve Weston used to do. He didn't mind getting popped, but overall, uh, I thought special teams were pretty good too. Yeah, I was going to say if you're you don't set you don't set punt return records at a school that'll never be touched if you're back there fair catching the ball, right? And that's what Steve Weston did. So uh, fair enough. I mean, yeah, that's you know I think you know Harbaugh kind of mentioned that he he'd like to see him get a little more tight with the football. Uh, there was a few times I think they were nervous that maybe the ball would pop out as he was kind of playing loose back there, but. But uh, you know he's a confident young kid, and uh, and he wanted he wanted to break one. You could tell, and he was aggressive with it, and not scared to do it, which which is really important because that could be a terrifying position. Uh, I'm sure he'll get better as time goes on uh, with that. But that's a that's a good role for him to have, and and something maybe he can settle into and be their guy there for a couple of years, uh, or at least for a good stretch here. So 
uh, overall, that was that was good for me. And then you know, Quinn Nordine was uh, was fantastic. Other than the last two of the game, you know, four straight to open it up, two fifty plus yarders. Um, you know, they got everything they wanted from him and more. It looks like so. Uh, that looks like the kicker of the future for sure. And you know, you got four years of him, so uh, pretty good. Uh, punting, they did get the one blocked, uh, but uh, rebounded there and, and, and looked fine. Uh, Will Hart, I believe, was was the punter. Uh, so. You know, not bad, not bad for a brand new contingent. Uh, it's going to be a step back, I think, overall in terms of your return game and your punt game because Kenny Allen was was fantastic as a punter, and Peppers was obviously just maybe the best punt returner in the country. Uh, so it's not going to be as good, but uh, not not too bad, not a bad start. Well, let's look ahead to uh, the Cincinnati home opener uh, coming up this Saturday in the Big House. Nick Luke Fickle brings his Cincinnati uh, Bearcats mm-hmm. to town on Saturday. They beat Austin P on Thursday night, hung on twenty six to fourteen. On paper, this sure looks like a game that could get out of hand really early, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a 31-and-a-half spread, or at least that's what it opened at. Um, you know, Cincinnati is, you know, that, that was a good hire, I think. Uh, Luke Fickle was a good hire. I think at time he'll he'll do a nice job there uh, in terms of recruiting and everything else and getting them talent. But, you know, this team went 1-7 and seven to finish the year, and they're replacing a lot anyway. You know, they're replacing a lot off a bad team. Um and they're kind of, kind of trying to relearn how to win. They're absolutely in rebuilding mode right now. Um, really didn't blow Austin P off the field. Uh, let's remember that too. I mean, that was uh, Austin P had the football with about five minutes to go and a chance to take a lead in the fourth quarter uh, of that game at Cincinnati. And they were not, uh, that's, that's an FCS team. So um, they struggled at times defensively to get off the field. They got outgained. Um you know, they didn't really do much in terms of, uh, you know, they had less than 300 yards of offense. So, you know, they got to win. That's more most important, I'm sure, for them, and they're probably feeling good about themselves. But this is a team Michigan should should handle. This, this of all the teams on their schedule, probably, uh, is a team they should handle because uh, Air Force presents some unique situations. But, but a game where you've got to now, we'll see with all this youth, if you're able to rebound emotionally from a game that you spent eight months foaming at the mouth for, to now all of a sudden you got to gear back up, you know, you're, uh, it helps you. It's your first home game, but you got to gear back up and have that same effort against a team that, you know, isn't as good. So, um, you know, we'll see how they respond to that. That's a good test for, for a young team as well. So we'll see how they uh, rebound and uh, not rebound, but keep pushing forward and see if they can carry it over. Well, this Cincinnati team has, a, they have a few solid players on offense. Nick, Mike Boone, I watched uh, the tape of the game uh, from last Thursday. He rushed for over a hundred uh, junior quarterback, yeah. Hayden Moore. 17 of 28 passing. They have two receivers back from last year. They look pretty nice. They have some issues on that offensive line, but still, they only gained 248 yards against an FCS team. Man, is it hard to imagine them having much success against Don Brown's defense, isn't it? Yeah, especially when you, you just mentioned it, issues with an offensive line. If you're if you're a team like that that, that is that is rebuilding anyway and, and your offensive line is, is not, not great and you're going against this front seven, um, that could be a long night. And that's that's the one thing where I, I think I give, uh, you know, we'll see how the youngsters respond, but Don Brown's pretty good. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I think we all know that by now. Um, and he's got a really athletic and active front seven and he can do, I mean, gosh, I mean, he can do hundreds of different things up there with, with different combinations and movement and everything else. So that's where I look back and say, even if your offense, maybe it sputters its wheels a little bit, I think your defense should have enough uh, to keep Cincinnati in check, uh, make, make life pretty tough on them and then uh, give your offense some time to find its rhythm and, and push itself forward. So they should win this game, you know, obviously by double digits, multiple touchdowns. Um, no question about, I don't know if 31 and a half is, that's a crazy spread. I don't know if that's fair, but whatever, it should be a, a no doubt football game and, and we'll see if they can, 
uh, emotionally get themselves up and, and do it again. Well, that Bearcat D uh, might be just what the doctor ordered for Wilton and the guys. I mean, they gave up over 300 yards to Austin P. Let them hold yeah. the ball for 38 minutes in that game. And I'm not sure, yeah, that, you know, what we'll wow. learn about the offense watching this game uh, because this defense is not very good. But Wilton's going to have guys open, and we're going to get a good idea if there's a timing issue, I think, or an accuracy issue this week. Yeah, they, they just could not get off the field. I mean, yeah, they say almost 40 minutes uh, against a – against an FCS team, that's just, that's staggering almost. And, and Michigan is a ball possession team anyway. So, uh, yeah, so it should be, it should be a, a chance to see if some of these issues, uh, were a one-time deal or if this is real and if it's something they got to worry about. So, you know, you got to hit open guys when they're there, you got to take what's given to you, uh, probably aren't going to empty the tank here against Cincinnati in terms of all the things you want to do down the road, but, uh, you should be able to, you know, if your offensive line plays a similar, similar improvement, you know, a similar improvement uh, trend like they like they showed from last week and, and get a little better, they should be fine too. So um, shouldn't be should not be a struggle, should not be a game where you're sweating it in the in the second half if, if you are, something went wrong. Um, but uh, Michigan should has has more than enough talent to make sure that this thing uh, gets salted away and uh, and moves on to two and zero. Well, we don't have many of these games on the schedule, Nick. And this is probably the only one. And if fans yeah. are looking for what you would expect is just an old fashioned beatdown. This is probably the only one we're going to see this year. Yes, this was the, probably the cheapest ticket on the schedule, right? <laughs> maybe not, because it's a home opener. But, but uh, yeah, maybe this and Rutgers, I guess. Although Rutgers showed some stuff, too. So, uh, and Air Force presents a whole separate set of issues. But, uh, yeah, this is one where you should be able to get a lot of guys on the field. And I think that maybe also is maybe motivation for the staff. Let's put this thing away, uh, get a lot of the guys that weren't able to get in that they wanted to get in last week, uh, and see what they can do as well. So, uh, if you're going to, if you have a game where you're hoping to get, you know, 50 guys snaps or something like that. This is, this is it. So uh, uh, we'll see how that goes and uh, we'll see if they can do it. My guest on our Michigan game day for this week has been beat writer, Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit free press. As we've been recapping Florida, taking a, a look ahead to the Cincinnati opener on Saturday. So as always, Nick, good stuff. And we look forward to the next visit a little later in the season. All right, Mike, sounds good. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up on this game day edition of the Michigan man on Wolverine sports radio a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze in Brew. On Quick Hits today, at Jim's Monday Presser, he didn't mention any injuries to start the week. We'll have an update for you on Thursday's show. Quinn Nordine, who made four of six field goals on Saturday in the win over Florida, has been named Big Ten Coast Special Teams Player of the Week. He made field goals of 25, 55, 30, and 50 yards. On Thursday's Visitors Edition, my guest will be Bearcat beat writer Tom Gresham from the Cincinnati Inquirer. This will be the first ever meeting between the two teams, but head coach Luke Fickle has made plenty of trips to the big house himself during his days as a player and a coach at Ohio State. 
Cincinnati is coming off a 26-14 win last week against Austin P. We will update the injury situation then and have our usual game day facts, and that's on Thursday's show, our visitor's edition. Now that the season has started, make sure you have our free app so you can listen to the show wherever you are during these busy game weeks. The app is available in the iTunes and Google Play stores. And you can now hear us on iHeart, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Wolverine Sports Radio. That will do it for our game day show. Join me again on Thursday for our visitors edition as we prepare for the home opener against Cincinnati. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'll see you back here on Thursday. Until then, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls, at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!